things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta give doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology, Romeo's K Dub. Today we're gonna look at a sermon of Michael Todd. But before we do that, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're not, and as always, click the notification bell so you can be aware when I go live. Yes, I was searching around, right, doing some research, research purposes only, right? <laughs> Being aware of uh, of certain teachers and teachings, right? And I came across uh, a Easter sermon of Michael Todd's, and I say, hey, this will be interesting. Uh, most people on Easter, Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, whichever you prefer, preach, right? Christ exalted. They preach about his resurrection, right? Let me ask you a question. How many of you in the chat, drop a comment, is that what's generally done at your church? You preach about the resurrection of Christ. Uh, you know, that is a time. Uh, all, all, obviously, we should be thinking about that all year, but I get it. There are certain times of the year which bring about... Um, certain themes, right? Uh, you know, around December, we generally think about the incarnation more. Okay, I get it. Um, so I'm listening to this sermon on Easter of Michael Todd, expecting to really just not hear anything, um, bad. Um, just listening to it and lo and behold, man, there was (laughs) an amazing, there were some amazing things said in that sermon, and, and I don't mean that in a positive may, manner. Uh, let me take a drink, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Just kidding, just Waterloo. Um, <laughs> should be yeah, it should be every week, right? We should preach the resurrection of Christ every week. Um, you know, uh, but but definitely, you know, around Easter is where you know pastors, you know, we go more in depth, right? And and and, and I get it, you know, so. I'm listening to this sermon. <laughs> I like this comment. Has there been a sermon that Mike Todd hasn't messed up? That is a great question. That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I like this comment too, man. It's some good comments. Kev says, Michael Todd, I'm going to be preaching something no one ever heard before. The church. Preach it, Pastor. Yes, that is exact how the audience reacts to him. He is definitely innovative and uh, new. Um but guys, you're going to be, a. I say amazed because I, I'm always amazed when I hear false teaching. It, it, it astonishes me like, man, wow, I, I, I can't believe you would twist scripture that way. It's going to be an amazing uh, things that are said, uh, you know. Michael Todd is very me centered and you're let, let me let me throw a big word out there for you. If you if, if you're not used to theological terms, one thing I want to do is introduce people to maybe concepts or. Uh, things they've never heard of uh, that are conce- uh, conceptualizing scripture, not just uh, not just things you never heard of for the sake of being new. But Michael Todd is very anthropocentric. Anthropocentric. Now, what does that word mean? Right. Anthro, where we get anth- uh, uh, anthology, uh, the study of man. Um, uh, centric, centered. Uh, so Michael Todd is very man centered. He'll make a large point on scripture and end up finding, reading himself into the text. And so you're going to see a lot of that here. 
Frank Rodriguez says, I love your channel. Well, Frank, man, I love that you're here and I, lo I love that you're loving the content. So, like I said, if everybody watching could like the video, share it out if, if you are excited about this and uh, we will get right into it. But before we get into it, I got to play this clip because <laughs> I've had quite a few people tell me this specifically. Now, they, you know, let's say Michael Todd's mannerisms are unique. Um, they're, some people would say questionable. And so this was done in the sermon and I'm just pointing this, I'm just highlighting this just for, <laughs> just cause I think it'll make you laugh. I'm not going to make a huge point on this, but enjoy. Y'all know them friends that they don't even got to know what's going on. They ready to knock if you buck, knock if you buck, they ready to go at any moment. So <laughs> he cracks me up, man. Uh, he's quite an interesting fellow. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's nice and, you know, he, he's the entertainer. He'd be fun to hang out with, but I don't think he should be in the pulpit. And that's largely my concern. I've had a lot of Mike Toddites, <laughs> Toddians. What's the word for that? Uh, I had someone say uh, his new nickname is Mike Toddler, which I think is actually fitting according to his sermons. Um, <laughs> and a lot of, you know, I do content on, you know, his teaching and his, his style is not biblical. And uh, man, I mean, the Mike Toddians and Mike Toddians were, were just coming after just pretty much, it doesn't matter how you preach, you know? And so it was just amazing just to see that. But uh, Wendelin Young says, thanks for break for the breakdown. Well, Wendelin, thank you for tuning in. And so we will get, Yes, you like the mock tie-dites? I, I, I like that one, too. <laughs> Absolutely, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get into it. Let's break down some of this ser sermon. Um, And like I said, I do plan on doing more content about Mike Todd because there's a lot of errors that I see in his preaching style and preaching content. And so be on the lookout for that. If you've been liking just hearing, because there's two purposes. One, to warn people in the church, right, in, in his church. But two, to make people aware of maybe things they're seeing in their own church. So it also serves as a teaching moment. So um, I hope that's helpful as well. So let's get into this. Uh-oh. Hold on a second. And, and okay. even when I think about this in the original garden, sin robbed us of God's greatest gift to us. A place where we didn't have to worry about what was next. So if if you heard what he said, I mean, and if, if you don't think this garden is distracted now, just wait a second. Hold on. It's going to get worse. <laughs> but God's greatest gift was let's 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 rewind the tape. Let's rewind the tape. And, and even when I think about this in the original garden, sin robbed us of God's greatest gift to us. A place where we didn't have to worry about what was next. So he states, sin robbed us of God's greatest gift for us, right? A place where we didn't have to worry about what's next. I mean, I thought God's greatest gift to us was God. I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, not what he creates. I mean, this is literally idolatry. And so he has a very like man-centered worldview and it's going to come out even more and more. D. Parker asks, have you seen his video trying to explain the Trinity? Yes, I have. Um, 
Patreon members, YouTube members get to see it first. I've done a video on it. And so that video will be coming out shortly. So stay tuned. I, I go in depth and you'll, you'll, I think you'll like it. Um, Kev says, I think this is a good comment. You can tell Michael Todd preaches, uh, preaches, prepares his sermons first and then find scripture to support his exegesis. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's continue on. <laughs> Adam and Eve never were trying to figure out what the next thing was. They were always focused on here. Uh-oh. They never had to focus on there, what I'm going to eat there, what I'm going to do there, who I'm going to meet there. All they had to do was focus on here because they understood that here is home. It's where God placed me. And the reason why most of us feel this unending anxiousness, it's because we're longing for the garden. Now, he's going to actually elaborate on this. And maybe this is this is something that you haven't really thought about. Right. Should we actually long for the garden? I say no. Why do I believe that? Well, I'll I'll explain more further. But initially, I would say that the garden was never the the telos. Right. It was never its eschatological uh, purpose end. Right. God actually has something greater than the garden. And I'm not going to ruin my point uh, later, but I'm just going to plant that seed in your mind, but stick around because I'm going to build on that point later as he makes more arguments for this exact thing. But the argument was not, the, the goal was not the garden. The goal was not the garden. God had something better for his people. Adam was in the garden for a probationary period till he would pass the test. And we were actually going to get into that point too, because um, he builds a large point on kind of God, kind of uh, God kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of just reacting to all the failures we do and got this backup plan as the cross. Stay tuned guys. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Brian Perella, sub up first live episode I've caught from you. Well, Brian, enjoy, man. Glad you're here, man. Um, blessed that you are here. Grace and peace to you. So let's continue. We're longing for his presence. The reason why you can go from relationship to relationship. The reason why you can go from drink to drink. The reason why you can go from career to career. The reason why, and you're still thirsty. is because you're longing for the presence of God. That's the God-sized hole that will never be filled unless you put God in it. Now, let me give him some credit here because th this is, I believe, is a half-truth and I can I can get there's many people who who ascribe to the God sized hole, right? I mean and there's truth in that. You know, but here's where the error is. I'll I'll do the error and then I'll say where he got got it right. Um the error is people aren't desiring for God's presence. I mean the Bible makes that very clear. No one seeks God. Right? The unregenerate man doesn't seek God. So they they're not desiring for God. They may like his gifts. Right. They may like 
what he creates, what he gives, right? The pleasures. But they're not desiring God. Now, let's get on the other half. In the sense, the God-shaped whole, right, is true in the sense that man will never be satisfied until God is the center of all things. Which, <laughs> the irony of this whole sermon is God isn't the center of it all. And we're going to see see that. Just, just, just stay tuned. Someone asked, is he in tears? No, this man is sweating. It's, that's, what, that's what I say, man. I can never be a charismatic. Charismatic. It is too exhausting. Um, all this running around and uh, I don't like sweating. And so I could not be a charismatic for that reason alone. <laughs> and today, if the story ended right here, it would be horrible. Because in a moment of sin, everything changed. And isn't that what can happen in our lives? That literally in a moment, it can go from something that seems like paradise and it can be changed into pain. Yeah, just like that. Now, the uh, <laughs> you know, the lights went off, so I, I just feel like I got to play this, you know. Turn off the lights. You know, I mean, the lights go off and... and, and if this isn't distracting, if you're, you know, if your eyes need to adjust for a little bit, I understand. But he's going to preach like this for quite a quite a while in the sermon. Obviously, I've edited out um, for the highlights of points I, I, I want to. But um, yes, you know, uh, let, let's he says in a moment it can go from like that. Let's be honest. This was how it was from when you first opened your eyes as a baby. Right. Matter of fact, in the womb from conception, because it was always dark. Right. Because sin was imputed to you through your federal head, Adam. So this is what we know. And matter of fact, when Christ gives his righteousness, he gives faith to us. We see now the lights are on. So it's kind of backwards if you think about it. But this is this is why you should just preach what the Bible says. I mean, I don't know. You know, let's do that one more time. Turn off the lights. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep going. Oh, wait, hold on. Everything. <laughs> so he just wants to play on his own. Let's keep going. And make sure you like the video if you're watching. Perspective changes. I thought my life was going one way and then it gets darker. See, in the garden, we didn't just lose plants. <laughs> in the garden, we lost peace. See, sin makes you lose peace. But you don't just lose something, you gain something too. So we lost peace and we gained paranoia. I, I want to say something to that point because, uh, you know, he says, in the garden we lost peace. And he seems to mean peace in an earthly sense, like our life is kind of shaky now because of sin. And although that is true, it misses, it misses the actual the greater point, right? You can make true statements, right, biblically. Like, it's not wrong, but it's it's actually not as weighty, right? It's not wrong to say sin is error, right? But it's much more weightier to say sin is, it offends a holy God, right? And so there are more weightier statements, right? But this is why I say it, it falls short. Because when we speak, when the Bible speaks about peace, it's largely speaking about peace with God. 
And so sin disrupted the peace with God, the right standing with God. That's why we need to have faith in Christ, who is our peace. And so, my my friends, I, I want us to think actually in a, on a greater biblical level. Like, let's not settle for just the low, right? Like, just cliche statements. And, and what you're going to hear next is just going to be a bunch of cliches that make no sense. I mean, they're just like, I mean, an unbeliever don't have to say it. An unbeliever can say a lot of the things he's about to say. And not, honestly, a lot of the things he says in his sermons, unbelievers could say. Just check this out. See, when you invite sin in, you lose provision and you bring in problems. In the garden, we lost purity and we got perversion. In the garden, we lost patience and we got panic. Isn't that what our world looks like right now? In, when we let sin in, when we overstepped the limits, when we did not do it God's way, we lost perspective and we got petty. Oh, y'all better not be faking with me today. Some of y'all are petty. Petty Bettys is what I'm going to call you. You're focusing on the wrong things. But can I blame you? Because we lost it when we lost his presence. See, when sin came in, we lost partnership and we traded it for pride. We have to sell. I mean, if, if you're just listening, be like, what is he talking about? This is the classic. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Or what do you mean by that? What do you what do you what are you talking about? What do you mean? These are this is why I call, you know, hopefully this catches on. I, I I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one to say this, but this is the Christian TED talk. You know, it's just a bunch of philosophical uh language without actually any biblical categories or meaning on what he's actually talking about. I, I, I mean, I have no clue what he's saying and I'm, I'm genuinely mean that, you know? And so, yeah. Out to God's purpose. And that's why I'm up here today because at the end of the day, what happened in the garden is we, our sin messed up God's plan. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Our sin messed up God's plan. I'm going to allow him to elaborate a little more before I get full commentary, but I want I want you to hear what he's actually saying. We messed up God's plan. I'm going to respond to that more in a second, but let's let's listen. But it would not stop his purpose. Yeah. Ah. See at the darkest moment. This is when Jesus comes into the story. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Before we get to that, he's going to butcher that text in too, but it seems like he's arguing, and he's actually going to argue more about this later, that God had a a plan with Adam and it just got messed up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's kind of really like, man, God, like, kind of makes God look like a big dummy. Like the first plan he had, it failed. <laughs> and then finally, I mean, after thousands of years, he was able to, like I said, it, it just confuses what the Bible says. But let me let me read a verse. Because this actually really answers his question. Um, the NASB reads, Job 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do all things. This is Job speaking of God. 
and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. No plan is impossible for you. So God's plan, what, what God plans comes to pass. God, God's plans are not thwarted. It was always God's intention to have Jesus to be crucified. Revelation 20, Revelation, uh, what is it? Uh, 13, I believe. Yes, 13, 8. Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world, meaning it was always in God's decree for it to happen. As he just kind of described, man, when really, when things got real bad, oh, he, he sent his son. Yeah, you, you missed the Easter message, but let's be honest, you weren't missing much. <laughs> You know, and so this, this, and you know what? There are many Christians who kind of have this view that, you know, man, if Adam would have messed up, we'd be good right now. Well, okay, theoretically, but it was always God's plan to have his son be glorified in the redemption of his particular people. We'll elaborate more on that. 19. This is the per. Oh, and he's in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 19. Guys, you want to hear this point? Because this might be one of the worst points in the sermon. I mean, because this might be one of the worst points in the sermon. I mean, no, I, I take that back. There's there's actually worse points, but you definitely want to hear it. This. And God said, now I have a plan. Adam and Eve, we was only supposed to do this one take. This was supposed to be a one take situation. You were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. You were supposed to go. And now the director got to step back in and write an alternate ending. You hear that? He's he's literally arguing that the cross was never God's first intention. That man, God, God kind of created. I mean, this really gets into his omniscience of things. Why would he still go forth with this if it was his plan? I mean, that I'll let him figure out the dilemma of that theology, right? But God, God's plan got jacked up, messed up, thwarted. Even and he kind of has to step in, like, hmm. I know. I'll send my son. Right? The director's like, cut. Change of scene. I know. The Bible doesn't teach any of this. That is a a sub-biblical view. I mean, yeah, it's sub-biblical. It's, it's, it's false. God didn't change his plan. It was always his plan for the son to be redeemed. For, or sorry, for the son to redeem a particular people by means of the cross. Again, Revelation 13, 8. Um, <sighs> So, yeah, let's keep going. He came into the garden and he said, cut, cut. They can no longer be in this place. So I got to remove them from this place. I got to take all the beauty that I created them for. I got to take all the things that I wanted them to have. I got to take the ease. Do y'all know women weren't supposed to even labor in childbirth? All my ladies is like, dang, what happened? We did. You said it's Eve, but it's actually you. (laughs) Because Eve is in you. (laughs) Because the thing that God told you to stay away from, come on, let's be honest. It's the very thing that we allow somebody to slide in the DMs and tell us that night. 
Uh-oh. God is saying that I created all of this for you. Now, let me address this point. I don't recall God ever saying that. What is the purpose of creation? And, and this is many people, I, like I said, I know many people have a anthropocentric. Remember, we're introducing that word to some people who are not familiar with it. Anthropocentric, very man-centered view of the Bible, where God is literally becomes the servant boy in many theologies that he exists for man rather than man existing for God. Right. Be careful of people who switch those things. Right. Creation exists to glorify God. I mean, you read of all the texts about creation and they're very. I mean, I, I think of uh, Psalm 19, right? Um, yes, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Um, Psalm, Psalm 115.1 says that, I mean, all things are not to us, not to us, but to his name be the glory, right? Everything is about God's glory. Not, not man. God isn't around just serving man. Just, <laughs> I mean, genie in the bottle style, waiting on man hand and foot. Not, not the biblical God. I mean, maybe a God you've created in your own image, maybe a golden calf, sure, but not, not the, not Yahweh. We serve Him. But you decided to choose your preference. So now what I have to do is remove you from the place that I created, but I still want relationship with you. Second Corinthians five nineteen for God. All right, so he's he's gonna get into this text. Second Corinthians five nineteen, and guys, <laughs> watch the butchering of this. I, I I hope you follow along. If if matter of fact, if you have your Bible, you you got a you know another browser. Just just turn to Second Corinthians five with me, and we'll go through this together. Okay. God, this is his plan. Was in Christ reconciling the entire world to Himself. Not reconciling Christians. Not reconciling people who do all the right things. This scripture says he was reconciling who? The world. To himself. Watch this. No longer counting people's skin. I mean sin. Against them. Oh, you know. With all of the climate that's going on in our society right now. Everything that's going on. God said, I see your skin and I see your sin. <laughs> And I'm no longer counting that against you. I think I want to take this to another level. One, two. Did you hear his, Did you hear what he actually said? He said in 2 Corinthians 5 that the text is teaching. Let me pull it up on my end. That God isn't just reconciling Christians. But every single person. Let me let me show you why he's actually wrong there. Right. Let me show you because. Because he actually made a very universalistic statement, and D16 caught that. Is he a universalist now? Oh, oh, you know, that's a very good catch. I, I, I would be curious. Yeah, Monkey Move says that's for believers. Absolutely. Let's let, but let's demonstrate this, right? We made a claim. Let's demonstrate it. Second Corinthians five. We're going to start at verse sixteen. It says, "From now on." 17 verse 17 it says therefore if anyone is in christ now what does it mean to be in christ this language is actually used throughout the bible in christ in christ uh in him 
um, by him, you know, all, all this language, this is what the uh, Puritans called union language, right? We have been united to Christ. You, if you've been united to Christ, what essentially means you're saved. You're a Christian. You're justified. You're a believer. You've been joined, united to him. His death is your death. His resurrection, your resurrection, right? All that applies. So it starts off with, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? They're a believer. He's a new creation. Hmm. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Okay. All this is from God. <laughs> Amazing statement in and of itself. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, who is the us? Well, clearly, if we you know, go for the last preceding, uh, what preceded before it, it's the those in Christ. So that's not everybody. It's a particular people. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Michael Todd is unbelievers, ambassadors for Christ. Are they, are they the uh, giving the ministry of reconciliation? I think not. This is for believers, not unbelievers. Verse 19, that is in Christ. There we go again, that language. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That is those who believe. See, here's the actual error he would get to if he wanted to make this verse universalistic, that God isn't counting anyone's sin against them. And therefore, he would be a universalist and no one goes to hell. I'm just I'm just saying, I mean, you'll be consistent. And entrusting us the message of recon re reconciliation. Again, the ministry message of reconciliation is entrusted to believers, not not unbelievers, not to those who don't know Christ. Therefore, we are his. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us again, <laughs> not unbelievers. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so. Again, if, if he would just, I don't know, study the text, uh, read the text, he would he would not come to the conclusion he would go to. But again, Mike Todd is not someone who's known for exegeting the text properly. I mean, just very sloppy, even what we saw. You know, so, yeah. Let's continue. That's how your life is about to change. So he went from, uh, he, I, I got to do this one more time. <laughs> Turn off the lights. And now he turned them back on. <laughs> you know, and so let's, let's, uh, let's continue. No, somebody got to hear me. That's how your life is about to change. As you accept the plan of God and his name is Jesus. I'm feeling happy right now. See, when you allow Jesus to come into your dark situation, when you allow Jesus to transform your life, when you allow Jesus to see your brokenness. You know what's actually missing from this sermon? Because he's talking about being reconciled and. Right. There's no there's no category that I've heard from Michael Todd that. About repentance. God's wrath. Escaping that wrath. Christ taking on our punishment that you don't hear a lot of those things. It's, oh, you know, you know, accept Christ because, you know, you'll. You'll have a better life. 
No, that's not what the Bible teaches. I would argue. Knowing Christ may make your life worse, worse in the here and now, right? The Bible talks about, hey, we're going to suffer in this world. But again, no repentance from Michael Todd. No, no, uh, Jesus taking on the full wrath of God on behalf because that's what we deserve. I, I've listened to quite a bit of few sermons of Michael Todd, and I have never heard that. I've never heard that. R rather, what you hear is, it, it being your best bet to trust Christ because, you know, those things you struggle with internally, you know, you, you, you want to be good in those areas, right? This is what G many people have turned um, Jesus into their Roth RIA program, right? Just it's building up for your retirement or, you know, he, he can he can make your finances better. This is what many kind of people turn Jesus into. Like I said, this is what's wrong with the prosperity gospel, which he says he's not prosperity gospel, but he constantly preaches it. But we'll continue on. He can take what's dark and he can turn it around just like that. But Jesus transformed my life in a different garden. And it's the garden of Gethsemane. Now, I was a bit confused here because I thought he was going to go on this point about Jesus kind of making atonement <laughs> in the garden. Um, it's, it's very unclear what he's really kind of saying how. Anyways, you, you'll hear his point, but he's going to miss the whole point. But let, let's let's talk about it. See, 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 we lost something in Eden, but we gained everything in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is actually the point. We, we, we gained everything in the Garden. So we lost everything in the Garden of Eden. Right. We lost peace with God. And I would actually agree if that's the point he's making. But what did we gain in the Garden of Gethsemane? Because that's what he's going to talk about, the Garden of Gethsemane. Because it was actually on the cross, right? His resurrection where we gained it, not in the Garden of Gethsemane. But see, he's trying to make a point. Right. He, so that's why he has to use this. He just wants to. Now, I do think there are parallels between the gardens, but not what he's talking about. Wow, Deanna says, I had a friend who believed the believe in Jesus and you'll have high self-esteem. She fell away. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point, Deanna, because um you see that theology isn't long lasting, right? Because <laughs> let's be honest, we're we're humans. You know, we, we we have these eternal struggles. Um let's be real. Most times in life, even the best of us don't feel that well about ourselves. And I think that's a good thing because it would create arrogant, prideful people. Now, people who do, we don't want to be around them, right? But our esteem should come from Christ, right? And, and so uh, you're, you're leading to a good point, Deanna, about... Uh, I, I made this point earlier about, um, you know, people being very man-centered or me-centered. Anthropocentric is, is the, you know, biblical category for it or concept. We should be uh, Christ-centered, right? Theocentric. Not anthropocentric, right? We we need to look outward, not inward. I mean, I don't. If you're anything like me, man, the times I look inward is where I'm most depressed. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm that impressive, right? And so, yeah, people who constantly look to themselves d probably are really depressed and miserable. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we're, we're filled with sin and, um, you know, 
abnormalities and right i mean backs hurting headaches you know you, you look inward man you'll be depressed a lot look to christ man that's the whole point of book of hebrews one of the whole points of hebrews so yeah we'll, we'll keep but great point deanna glad you brought that up and i pray that your friend will come back to the lord I love the word of God. I get excited. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, I can't read into this scripture anymore until you understand what the word Gethsemane actually means. Gethsemane means oil press. And... I looked this up because I actually never heard of this point that it's true that um, the word um, Gethsemane in Hebrew actually does mean oil press from two Hebrew words, Gat and Shaman, um, where we get Gethsemane. And literally it means oil press, uh, press. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the definition of the word but oftentimes many people can get the definition right and make a awful application well if you've been following the theme here we're going to continue with that theme here the place of pressure why in the now he, he kind of oil pressed or pressure okay he wants to say like oh let, let me explain the point um, the reason why it was called, you know, the Gethsemane makes sense in oil press is because there are a lot of olive oil, olive trees and what they would have to do. Like I said, I did some reading on this <laughs> to, just to see, okay, is he telling the truth? They would have to squeeze the oil or the olive for the oil they wanted, right? They wanted the oil out of the olive. Yeah. The olives were good for food, but olive oil is good for all sorts of things. Right. And so, okay, if he wants to say that's the pressure, okay. But watch the point he makes. World, will God allow the Son of God to go into a place of pressure? Why in the world would Jesus out of everybody? I mean, literally, if I was God, I'm like, he going to come to the earth. He going to mosey up to the cross and he going to say, you know what? You ain't even got to nail me. Let me just go ahead and lay down. I would have I would have gave a very easy pass. But for some reason. Yeah, because you don't have a real high view of sin and justice, I guess. You know, so I, I get how you that's how <laughs> you would do it. But well, yeah, let's continue. He made him endure. A place of pressure. Now, I don't know about you, but 2022 has been a good year, but it's also been a place <laughs> uh -oh. of pressure. It's been a Gethsemane. It's been a garden that has pressed on me. So, uh, and, and he's going to give a story here in a second. But notice how even, okay, let's say we want to go with his crazy example of, of this Guarding representing a place of pressure. Notice how he immediately applies it to himself. And <laughs> you got to be careful with people who always want to find the, themselves in the story. Right. I mean, there's plenty of people, man. I mean, Joseph Smith, right. was <laughs> King of this. <laughs> you can find themselves in any story in the Bible. Immediately apply it to themselves. Right. And now the garden 
<laughs> now the Garden of Gethsemane becomes this place of typology of, oh, you're going through a trial in your life? That's your Garden of Gethsemane, right? <laughs> Where the Garden of Eden apparently is, oh, when things are good, oh, you living in Eden now. Both of those are, are not right. They're not right biblically. I mean, they're they're stretching forth these themes, but we'll we'll talk more about that. Pressed on my comfort. Am I the only one? Are y'all going to leave me out here like this? Yes. <laughs> Has anybody had pressure coming? Relational pressure. Financial pressure. Emotional pressure. What about theological pressure? I, I don't know. because I'm, I'm theologically pressed to find anything that's biblical about this sermon. But yeah, the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, he cannot demonstrate how this is supposed to be a, uh, I, I don't know, some kind of typology for, oh, pressure in your life. You would have to, dem- you have to demonstrate a little more because the, the apostles never make that point. I mean, that wasn't even the point of the Garden of Gethsemane. You see how when you search for things, you actually mix, mix all the point. Of the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, I mean, no mention of Jesus just about to take on God's wrath. He's sweating drops of blood. I mean, he's about to go take on God's wrath. And, and, and Mike Todd misses all that, says, you know, I like this pressure over here. You know what? I'm going through, uh, you know, pressure in my life. Yes, missed the whole point of the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, him mugging all the camera during the pause is taking me out. Yeah, oh, he knows where the camera is. I tell you that. Mike Todd does not miss it. Um, he, he, he's an entertainer and he knows where that camera is all the time, all the time. Things that you never thought you would have to deal with, but you had an outburst in a situation and you would say where that came from and the pressure you've been pressing down since you were seven. Uh. Or it's just because you're a, a sinner. I mean, you don't have to get crazy. I mean, it has nothing to do with pressure about you when you were seven. You, you're just a sinner. That's your natural inclination. How about that? Let's 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 talk Bible, Mike Todd. It's now at a point where it's in an eruption. A place of pressure. But 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 I had the team get me some olives. And the reason why they brought olives is because when an olive was in a place of pressure, they, they weren't just trying to get the olives. What they were trying to get was what was in. And there's so many of us that don't want to go to the place of pressure. But if you would stay, everybody say here. If you would stay at that job, if you would stay in that place, if you would keep serving at the school, what God's trying to do is get the oil out of you. So his analogy is, you know, those things in life trying to press you. It's actually God trying to get something. The oil out of you. He's going to hold on. Let me finish this point, too, because it's the oil that's valuable. (laughs) It's not just the olive. It's what's in it. Uh Oh, it's not just who you are and what your last name is. It's the oil inside of you. The reason why it's been so hard and why God hasn't snatched you out of that place is because the most valuable part of you is the pressed version. So God's trying to 
<laughs> yeah, I like this comment. Yo, bro, what is Easter about this again? Jesus? I, I, I mean, yeah, great question, Enoch. <laughs> so God's trying to get the oil out of you. Now, if oil was representative of sin, okay, maybe, but clearly that's not his point. He's trying to say that the oil is valuable. What value do we have apart, you know, I mean, we're sinners. The reality is we need to rid ourselves, not get the oil out of us. I mean, I I, I don't even know what that means, really. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Someone said every time I pause his face, it looked like he got caught stealing a cookie or something. (laughs) Yo, y'all are wild. Oil of Olay. Define press version, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't even know what that means. God wants the better version of ourselves? No. The better version of ourselves still is lacking. We need to rid ourselves. The Bible tells us to crucify ourselves, to die. We need The, the problem is us, not the olive oil. In, I, I don't even know what that, like I said, I'm, none of this is biblical concept or language. So it's very confusing. You know, he's in that hot suit, sweating, preaching about olive oils and getting it out of you. You know, I I, I made, I made a, yeah, he just be chatting. He, honestly, he's just talking. I mean, it's not that hard because it's not hard, that hard to do this. I mean, anybody can just go up there, read a Bible verse and, and just make, go on a tangent on whatever he just wants to talk about said wow this is worse than i thought oh it's getting worse bro it's gonna get worse <laughs> it's gonna get worse i started to tell you a little bit but i'm gonna go more in depth right now oh okay so so right the remember we're, we're in the garden where it's olive oils pressure uh and the oil from the olives god wants to get to you right that's that's the, the theme of this, right? And remember I said, hey, he's king of finding himself in the situation, right? <laughs> just, just listen to the story. And most of you are familiar with this story. I'm Don't worry, I'm not going to play it again. But it has to do with, uh, let's see if I could. I could... You, guys, you, you, you guys remember when he did that? <laughs> I had to do it. One more time for the. Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna re bring that up. Let's talk about it. Earlier this year, probably about eight to ten weeks ago, I was in the first message of me preaching this year, and I did an example where um, I used some saliva to paint a picture of what happened in the Bible. And um, before we got out of service, um, the spit had hit the fan. Every news media outlet, every everything social media basically used this one moment that was misunderstood to try to sum up a life worth of service. No, it, it, it wasn't misunderstood. It was completely disgusting. Uh, it just, just uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. We didn't forget the spectacular moment. <laughs> no, we did not. And so he's trying to paint him. He's going to try to paint himself as the victim. Like y'all didn't understand, you know, you guys are just misunderstanding 
I, I'm not going to ruin his point because you're going to see what he's going to say. If you just think about what he's done with the sermon, um, you'll, you'll, you'll see very clear uh, where he's going to be leading to. So just think about it. <laughs> and immediately I went from everything looking like this. Everything being bright, everything being ready and blooming and winning and all, all that DJ Khaled playing in the background. All we do is win, 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 no matter what, to in a moment. <laughs> it went dark. Yeah. Y'all know I got to play it. You know I got to play it. Turn off the lights. Hey. <laughs> Turn off the lights. It got dark for him. That pressure started caving in. And guess what? We're going to see the olive oil. We're going to see the oil come out of him. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but all that sweat, that's got to be the olive oil, right? I, I don't know. Turn off the lights. And in the moment that my life started to look like this. Oh, wait a second. I, I Rand Randolph makes a good point. So he's admitting it wasn't a real repentance. That's right. Because remember, he apologized over it. So he's kind of admitting that that apology wasn't real, real because it was misunderstood. I mean, you don't apologize over, you know, something you, someone misunderstood the context, right? Like, hey, I, I, I wasn't wrong. You just misunderstood the point. So he's kind of admitting, yeah, that that apology I gave, <laughs> that wasn't real either. I made a mistake there too, so I, I don't know. I guess he caved into the pressure. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to interpret all that. <laughs> People didn't want to be associated. In the moment I got to the garden, people started unfollowing and distancing themselves and telling me that maybe God's purpose for my life, I just want to be real with y'all may have been premature and that's why these young preachers and I mean, not just people who don't know God. I'm talking about people who <laughs> I'm talking about people who, who claim to love him. And I'm found myself in the middle of a garden. Woe is me, Mike Todd. I mean, he's just victim of the year. 2022 well yeah you, you spit in somebody's face people don't like it and you're the victim <laughs> this is classic 2022 if i've ever seen it right everyone wants to be a victim every everybody's you know um you know and so so now because he's been the face he's in this place of of pressure symbolically speaking that he's trying to uh make it seem look at him he looks sad i mean wow don't you feel sad for this guy I mean, look at him. Adorable. He... <laughs> you know, come on, man. Why you always lying? You're lying, man. You're lying. You... People called you out. What you should have done is stuck to your... You should have just repented, truly. Not the fake alligator tears that you're now saying people misunderstood you about. So that's not a real apology, which I call that from the from the start. Um, but yeah, you, you just trying to paint the victim, man. You, yeah, come on, man. We're, we're not falling for it. That was full of pressure. 
And when I was sitting here, I was in a hotel right up the street with my wife. <laughs> I like this comment. Uh, why is he really making it look like people call him out for foolery is the biggest trial of his life? Not the people in third world countries. Just poor Mike Todd. He's got it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> just, just uh, hold on. Let, let, let me see if I got some uh, uh, sad music for him. Let, let, You know, it's been a tough year. 2022? It's just... Man. Boy, if you don't get... Mike Todd is up there like... Help me. Help me. We don't feel sorry for you. You, you did something disgusting and... Yeah. Oh, that's a good point, too. He basically turned himself to the Messiah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what I said. Very me-centered. I'm getting all these text messages and calls. And I'm like, what is going on? Y you don't get it still? People were disgusted. People are uh, disgusted by your, your, your antics, your games. And, and, and let me say this, man. Michael Todd thinks he needs to have a prop for everything. I mean, you guys saw that video I did where, uh, right, in order to talk about gluttony, he had to have all the food over the stage and all crazy, right? You know, he has to talk about anything. He has to have a prop. I, I really hope, I pray, that this man never does a sermon on adultery because we don't need a prop for that, Mike Todd. Let me give you a word of advice. Just preach. Jesus, Jesus. Just preach him, man. Preach. Jesus, Jesus. That's all we need, man. That's that's what the sheep want. The sheep hear this voice. They don't want to be entertained all the time. They want to be edified. There, there, there's a good uh, <laughs> there's a good one for you. And God said, "I'm about to put you in the press." And some of the people in my core, we got on a plane and we flew to California and went to a hotel none of us never been at, and was looking at scenery. And every morning on the balcony of that hotel, after deleting Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, after making an apology, after doing all of these different things that was like, why am I even having to do this? And God says, because I got you in the press. <laughs> Just, again, he, it's all about Mike Todd. All about Mike Todd, man. It's crazy. My name was going crazy in the press. <laughs> They're all like, oh. Like I said, it's just constantly trying to. It, it, it's him, man. All the theatrics. Yeah, he, he hides behind the theatrics. Absolutely. He literally doesn't need a Bible. God's word is just a guy for his prop ideas. That's right, Charles. That's right. But even then, it's, my name was in the press. Press, get it? Press, oil press, pressure. Oh, boy. But God had me in the press. <laughs> he thought that was his deepest point of, of, of the year. Look at him. That was real deep. I can't believe I made that point on the fly. That's not deep, bro. That's not deep. I'm pressed to find anything biblically about this sermon. Hmm. My turn. <laughs> Yes, Vernon. Narcissism. Absolutely. He literally named it. 
Yeah, the press is going to go crazy over this. Because I have to get oil out of you. And sitting on that balcony every morning with the people in my core, I cried, is there any other way? Is there any other way? Take this cup from me, Mike Todd Jesus. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I can't see the point. I can't see the difference. Apparently, so what is he trying to make make it seem like? Ugh. Like I said, man, narcissist, man, narcissist. Could you please just make it act like it didn't happen? I woke up one night and 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 and, and I was like, I must be dreaming. And I realized it wasn't a dream; it was part of my destiny. But I had to stay here long enough. And literally, as I begin to pray, as I begin to build up my spirit in the place of pressing in the Garden of Gethsemane, God said, this is the thing that's going to keep you in place. And I contemplated not preaching the next Sunday. I contemplated leaving the garden. I contemplated walking away from my spot. I contemplated. Can I be real in this place right now? Mike, to, to be real, I wish you would have. I mean, I know you would have been replaced by some someone probably more heretical than you. Um, but <laughs> my brother Ed would say, please tell me I'm dreaming. <laughs> Absolutely. This is not a dream. <laughs> you know, the Fresh Prince. <laughs> if you guys know, you know. But man, yeah, I wish you wouldn't have come back because you're not biblically qualified. You You don't you can't teach. You cannot exposit God's word. You know? You can't. You or you haven't demonstrated the ability to do so. I mean, I cannot now I know people are so shallow in your church they think they're growing because they're being entertained and they're laughing all the time. That's not mean you're growing. I guarantee if I went in your church and asked people basic biblical questions, few would be few would be able to answer. But you're not even giving them the word of God to grow. They're, they're, how are they gonna grow with no word? All they got is olive oil, I guess, and <laughs> getting, getting pressed. I don't know. I contemplated not even confronting the issue. And God said, no, today I came. I'm sweating in this pink suit to let you know that in whatever garden you find yourself, no, how, no matter how dark it is, don't give up in the garden. Don't give up in the garden, y'all. Don't give up in the garden this typological place of pressure and trials i guess i i, I don't let's go because if you don't give up in the garden and you invite god into the garden then you get restored back to the original garden two points we have to invite god in the garden that he created I, I didn't know he was, wow, God got kicked out of the garden. Now, what an amazing, <laughs> uh, you know, flip. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want to address this point. He said, hold on, let me go back. Give up in the garden and you invite God into the garden. Then you get restored back to the original garden. I want to, uh, address this is the garden of eating the the point is that what we're looking forward to i would argue no 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 way here's why i would say that revelation 21 speaks about and, and if you can understand the, the 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 correlation with the original garden 
what the Apostle John is actually arguing, if you read Revelation 21 uh, and 22, I'll read some citations from it. John is arguing for a better garden, not the Garden of Eden. Uh, Revelation 21, verse. I'll start at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy, holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be with people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, or crying, or pain. Anymore for the former things that pass away, right? Many of these passages we like, right? Many of these passages we like. Um, I, I say that to read from the next chapter. I mean, you can even read further on. There's so many connections with, but yeah, uh, Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life. You go back and look at the garden. There's a river. Bright as crystal, there's crystals flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. There's a tree in the garden with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. Right? So, a curse reversal. <laughs> no longer is the, the, the curse in the Garden of Eden, but we have some place where there won't be any curse ever. But the throne of God and the Lamb with it will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and the name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of they will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. They will reign forever and forever. You will see many of those correlations and connections um, in the book of Revelation as an argument, a th thematic thematic um, view of the new the new Eden, if you want to use that language, which is the new Jerusalem, right? We will be on God's holy mount, Mount Zion, uh, where we will rule and reign, right, with, with him forever. Not the Garden of Eden. That's We don't want to go back to the Garden of Eden, <laughs> right? There, there, there's still the possibility, potentiality for, for uh, sin there. We have something better. And that's what I look forward to. But Mike Todd doesn't know his Bible that well, so that's why he makes that point. That he wanted us to have. Then we give back problems and get back provision. We give back being paranoid and we get back peace. Somebody's going to get happy right here. We give back perversion and we get purity. We give back panic and we get patience. We give back pettiness and we get perspective. Because God has already won the victory, but now it's time for you to receive it. This entire day, this whole moment, this whole garden, I'm out here pollen everywhere. I'm sneezing because we made all of this just to give you an opportunity to see how good God is. I didn't need your little plastic plants back there to know that. <laughs> all I had to do was read my Bible. The Lord is good. Right. That's all I needed to do. I, you could have saved hours on this <laughs> with just reading Bible. <laughs> but see, this is this is what many people think you have to do in Christianity. Right. We have to we have. I mean, if we just read the Bible and preach the Bible, they'll never they won't stay. 
So we have to entertain them, right? We gotta, we gotta win them, right? Because God's word won't do it. I mean, I mean, yep, it won't do it alone. Be careful, my friend, because what you win them with is what you keep them with. If you win them with games and entertainment and theatrics, oh, you better get better at it. You better keep it up. Don't change, because then people are gonna say, well, this church ain't as exciting as it used to be. Right. When you win them with theatrics, you keep them with theatrics. But guess what? If I win them with God's word, I keep them with God's word. All the preacher has to do is preach God's word. And guess what? If they leave, they leave. We could be confident just preaching what the Bible says. That's a larger point at another time, but something I'm definitely passionate about and where I think many people, um, you know, have gone wrong. <laughs> Derek says, could have saved the flowers and the pink soup money, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. He didn't need to do all this. Just preach the Bible. He would have been good. Where because of sin, we were locked out of one garden and in another garden because Jesus endured we now have an opportunity to be in relationship with God. But the Bible tells us, with all of this available, it's all null and void if you don't receive it. My friends, that was actually one of the most painful parts I heard about this sermon. God did all this. He created this beautiful garden up here for you. He died, rose from the grave, lived the holy life, gave his word, preserved it for thousands of years. Placing you, pointing you where you at. Uh, all this is null and void if you don't do something. And he's just smiling. Got that Eddie Murphy smile. No. Salvation is not dependent on me. Thankfully, I believe in a God who can change my rebellious heart and grant me faith as a gift, not because of what I do, but because of what he has done. So no, the atonement is not dependent upon me. It's not null and void based on my actions. It's like having a million dollars in a bank and somebody giving you a debit card and you not knowing the pin number. See, this is, uh, you know, if you like hymns, you know, we, we know if Jesus paid it all. Mike Todd has Jesus paid it all most, you know. No, Jesus paid it all, Mike Todd, not all most. I want to help you if you're starting in a new garden to unlock some of the things you're cuffed to and to cuff to the right things. For the next six weeks, I'm asking you to do something differently than you've ever done. I want you to put God, everybody say first. I want you to make coming to church Getting with believers, getting your, just make it a priority for six weeks. And I promise you, you're going to see your entire life begin to change or how I like to say transform. So try Jesus out for a couple of weeks, right? And you're going to see your life transform, get better. Just try it out. If it don't work, <laughs> money back guarantee, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, do you know, do the right thing. Start coming to church. Get involved with communities, you know. Do all these good things for six weeks. And I'm going to promise you, your life will transform. Is that what the Bible says, saints? You know, to do a trial run on Jesus? Try him out. <laughs> you know, try him out. Money back guaranteed if you don't like it, I guess. And get your salvation back. I, I, I mean, you can return salvation. <laughs> Does the Bible teach that? No. What does the Bible say? Repent and believe the gospel. Why, why can't you just preach that, Mike? Why can't you just tell them what the Bible says? <laughs> put Jesus on a trial. Come on. The Bible says not to, not to test God. Put God on test. Oh, boy. But that's, that's Mike Todd for you. That is Mike Todd. Yeah, does God have a 30 deck trial and if I don't like it I can take it back? Yeah, what's what's the what's the standard of if they don't like it? You know? Taste and see that the Lord is good is not telling people to put God on trial for a couple weeks and if you don't like him return him. That's not what cuz I've seen people use that verse to try to justify that. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. You, you, I I would love for someone to try to explicate that out. Um but I don't know if some of you guys were in here in the beginning, but I just want to play this again just because I love it. It just, it's, just, it's so Mike Todd. Y'all know them friends that they don't even got to know what's going on. They ready to knock if you buck. Knock if you buck. They ready to go at any moment. I'm ready to knock if you buck after hearing that sermon. I mean, it was that bad. It, it, it can make someone want to holy hatred, holy anger. Um, But as I said, I, I'm going to be continuing to do... uh some exposure on Mike Todd's theology uh, because it's, it's not helpful. I'm, I'm really concerned for people in his church. I'm really concerned for people who listen. I, I mean, they get thousands of views and I'm not, I'm not, I know someone misinterpreted this. I'm not jealous of him. I, I, I pity him. I pity those people in the church. I'm sad. I'm sad that people flock to that, right? Who flock to that over sound biblical teaching that many pastors I know, you know, and so I get it. He's likable because he's charismatic and he's right. He's entertaining for a lot of right millennial people, you know, but he's not biblical, not at all. And so I do want to warn people of that. So I will be looking at sermons of his. I'll be examining uh, some some theological beliefs of his. I got a video coming out where he. What's the word I can use? He dis <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't understand the Trinity on a basic fundamental level as a pastor. He he kind of downplays the doctrine. If you listen to him, he 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 kind of displays the, downplays it a lot. And so I want to look at some of the things he said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to look at some things he said and. Uh, Examine them uh, because I want people to know hey, what he believes, what he teaches, uh, because it's not helpful. Um, if you guys could, man, there's been a lot of people watching. Like the video. If you're not subscribed, subscribe because I do content like this. Uh, if you like, you know, hearing people uh, expose falsehood and, and, and pointing you to truth, I think this will be a channel you like. Um, there's also other channels I'll recommend and have on uh, as well. And. 
a lot of people that I, you know, so maybe you can get in this circle of good theology. Maybe you're young in the faith or maybe you just, hey, man, I, I don't know my Bible as well as I should. I'm no expert. I don't claim to be the guru on everything. That's why I have other people I recommend as well. And so I would definitely encourage you to, um, you know, stick around. You, you, you might like what you hear if you like what you're hearing now. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate you guys for watching. I hope you guys, like, like I said, like the video, subscribe if you're not, click the notification bell so you can be aware when I drop content, new content. So I'll be dropping a video tomorrow, so you'll be want to watch that. Stay tuned. I also have a music video coming out. Patreon supporters, you'll be the first to hear. Uh, I actually already shared that. YouTube members, check the community tab. Get to watch the video first. So, hey, that is a pleasure for those who support this ministry. They get to see videos before they come out. If you just can't wait, right? You just just got, got to got to see it. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, what are, other, other news, right? I have shirts. Uh, KateUpTrue.com. If you like my new video on abortion my, my or my new song on abortion, you want to check that out. KateUpTrue.com. You can get shirts if uh, you don't know. Hold on. I might have to just find that link, huh? So I can share with you all. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Hold on. Patience, brethren. Patience. So some people don't know I do music. Some, I mean, some people still find out. They'll be like, I didn't know you do music. And I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean... Yeah, I do music, so I think you'll be blessed. Let me put the Spotify link in here. Uh, let's see. Let me put in the... Let's see. J.E. Oh, so, yeah, there's my Spotify link. J.E. says, where are your sermons? I'm not a pastor, so I don't, I don't preach weekly. I do Bible studies from time to time. Sometimes Sunday group studies, but I'm not a pastor, so I don't have any sermons out. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let me see. Let me pin that. So those watching, there it is. You want to watch that? Boom, bada, boom, bada, bing. Let me, let me, let me add one more thing. Let me add one more thing. Hitupchew.com. Almost spelled my website wrong bada bing bada boom so yes if you like to listen to that song there you go if you want a shirt to support uh the movement uh as well as the video that is coming out i'm thinking about dropping it next week thinking about dropping it next week we will see we shall see but yeah you wanna you wanna you wanna uh you know be in on the bn grace and peace everyone hey and, and like i said i was talking just a bit earlier about people who are in a network of, of sound theology, you want to subscribe to Rick Caldwell Apologetics. Caldwell Apologetics. He does excellent work, Bible teaching, that you will be blessed, uh, you know, to know. He, I mean, he's very knowledgeable brother, good brother. I mean, we're, as far as I know, I mean, we're like twins theologically speaking, you know. <laughs> I'm sure we have a disagreement somewhere. But no, I mean, very edified. Um just found your channel, loving the content. God bless and keep enduring. Man, well, I'm very thankful. The algorithms led you providentially to my channel. And so, 
we will keep doing theological content. We'll keep making videos to the glory of God. So with that said, I'm about to be out. I got to head somewhere. You guys know how we do it here at All Things Theology. Till the next time. Grace and peace, y'all. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace, y'all. Till the next time.